Well, it's good to be in Clarny. I have seen a totally different side of Clarny than I ever have before. And uh, did we meet, get to meet all the good people in town this time around? Yeah, I think so. Thank you very much for allowing us to minister. You know, we don't, uh, we don't profess to be big professionals. We're just four everyday workers and farmers with four, little, four different talents. Actually, there's six of us. It takes all of us to do it. To be able to get together, together, and sing. We have our own, little, our own talents because I can never hit Wendell's notes and he can't hit mine. And the harmonies just work together. And I trust that as we work in the church, we will recognize and encourage one another's talents as we move forward. And as this is missions weekend for, for, uh, for this church, what a privilege it is for us to be able to share in that. When my idea came to, as far as missions, when I grew up, I, I kept seeing this flannel graph picture of this white man under a tree with this flannel graph with a bunch of uh, tribal people and telling him the gospel. That to me was a missionary for many years. Until I got to know who, who God was as a personal Lord and Savior. And I began to commit myself to him on a deeper level and a deeper level and a deeper level. And it is as we move from day to day we realize always in a new sense and a new awe who this God is. And again, we, see in, we, we stand in awe when we see him working. The one thing I really appreciate of, of my God is that he always meets me where I'm at. He always comes to me where he is where I am. Am I willing to surrender myself to him? Just as the, uh, they begin the message, I want to read a few verses. I've had the, uh, as, as I have read the book of John, and then the last uh, chapter, chapter 21, it kind of hit me what a kind of an awesome God we have. I'll read it for you. Now, just to back things up a little bit, the disciples had gone through quite a time before this. This is only the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. And what happened the one or two weeks before? The big supper, the garden, and then the betrayal. 
the arrest, the crucifixion. And then the awesome thing was the resurrection. But I don't think that had really settled in their hearts and their minds yet that that was really where had it really happened. Let's just read the story. Peter said, you know what? I'm going fishing. I've had, I need a break. And it's not Tim Hortons. I just need to get away and take a break. For me, when I take a break, I, I go into my livestock and I hang over the fence. And, and uh, when my, my, my bull is fairly friendly, when he comes up and he's, he's about three feet away from me, and he just stands there and I just stand and stare at him. And, and we, we kind of talk together in a totally different way. I just need to get away. But I always have to make sure I have a fence between us. I don't trust taking the fence away, even though he would trust me to that point, but I wouldn't trust him to that point. Peter and a couple of disciples needed to get away. Like, we've been fishermen all our lives. We're standing on the beach. There's a boat. Oh, there's even some nets in there. Why don't we just go hang out on the lake for a while? I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood out on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? Nope, they answered. And he said, throw your nets on the other side, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards, too far for me. When they landed, they saw fire, a burning coals there, with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was how now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after the Lord was raised from the dead. Jesus 
even right after he was not in a church up front waiting for the disciples to come to him. The people were, he went right to where they were. And they had a need. And you know, I think Jesus kind of played with their heads a little bit. And these guys were probably just out for fun because, first of all, they were, they just wanted R&R and get out. And so they said, okay, for the fun of it, throw it on the other side. It'll be worthless, and we're only 100 yards from shore, and that's good enough. But they were shocked. They were amazed. They found out who Jesus was because Jesus came to them right where they were. Missions is that way. Jesus comes to us wherever we are. And as followers, as believers, Christ gives us strength, Christ gives us wisdom, Christ gives us courage to move on. Sometimes we are put in situations where we're we're not sure if God is where we're going. But God puts us into situations just to, to wake us up and to say, you know what? You, th- you think I'm big? Try me one more time, and I'll show you that I'm bigger. Try me one more time, I'll show you that I'm stronger. Try me one more time, and I'll show you that the little things in life are very important. The one-on-ones. The surprises, the I don't have time for it, but this is here type of thing is, is, uh, is what God loves to show himself. My wife and I had the privilege of going to, to Mexico with a missions group. One of these, fine, that one Sunday afternoon after church, we headed out to the beach. We had the day off, or the afternoon off, not the evening. We had the afternoon off. We went to the beach. After we uh, got back on the bus, we uh, were heading back, and one of the ladies that should have been sitting in the front was sitting in the back, and she got car sick. And so she needed air, not the ba- not just the back bathroom in the, in the bus. So we stopped went out, or she went out, somebody took her outside, and uh, it was, she just needed some air and some stop time again, even though we'd only driven a few miles. Another lady got off and said, oh, there's an ATM across the road, I'm going to quickly go get some cash. Perfect. Two birds with one stone. Meanwhile, while one was at the ATM, one was trying to catch, get her complexion back, this gentleman steps to the door of the bus and he says, can I wash a windshield? And she's, well, we used the interpreter because he was speaking in Spanish and here's a bunch of prairie boys from Canada. So the translator said, yes, you may. Well, the bus is tall and the stature of this gentleman is short. So he got the bottom started he goes back on the sidewalk, dumps out his possessions out of his wheelbarrow, flips the wheelbarrow upside down, gets up, he gets a little bit higher. He's still not satisfied. He grabs the five-gallon pail that was full of his other stuff, dumps it up, puts it on top of the wheelbarrow, stands on there, and then he's 
washing the windshield with one hand because the other hand was crippled. And it was, it was, it was neat. It was, it was so incredible to see. But then here's the rest of the story. When he was done, he came back to the door, and of course he wants tips. So we, we started talking to him. He came up and tells us a story about his arm. Well, we were moved. And with compassion. And uh, when we were done giving him his tip, he stepped off. But then it was a whole bunch of us stepped off the bus with him. I think there was five or six men. We were right there. We just, one went to the side of the bus, opened it up, and got a Spanish Bible. I grabbed his wheelbarrow, flipped it all back up, and gathered his belongings. And the rest of them were wrapping the arms around this gentleman and praying. The timing for the sick person was right. The lady that went to the ATM machine had nothing but trouble with the ATM machine and her time was dragging on and on and on. Why was she not coming back? But we didn't care. We were at this point praying for this gentleman. We cleaned up his junk. His belongings, I'm sorry. Don't want to be disrespectful. His belongings. And he turns around, grabs a Bible, and the tears are just rolling down his face as we with praise wrapped ourselves around him as a group and prayed. When we were done, we just talked for a minute more and sent him on our way. We got on the bus, and the lady comes back to, with the, from the ATM machine and says, Sorry, sorry, the ATM machine didn't work till, till just now. And I said, Oh, no, no, no. This story, this stop opened a moment for us to give. And we took it. Another story I want to tell, and for those of you that were here last night, you, you heard part of this, and so Uri Wendell, if I have to repeat it, I use my twist on it. So. We were uh, doing evangelistic services in Kugluktuk, none of it. And uh, I'll be talking about the, the night when only a mother... And two children showed up. Like the chairs were set out, probably 50 chairs, 60 chairs. We were ready. We'd done a warm-up. The, this, uh, Bob McLaughlin had done his, you know, he was getting himself ready. Everything was ready. The stage was set. The invitation had been given through the, the community to come to these services. And what happened? A mother and two children showed up. This was getting quite late already to start. It's still supposed to start at 7, and this was probably quarter after 7 already, or whatever it was, it was getting late. But you know what? We thought, we're going to sing. And Bob's going to preach. And with that, people started, we started singing. People, a few people started coming in. There's only a few, 14, 15 people showed up. At the end of the altar, at the end, the altar call was given. The mother and her two children were one of the first ones to come forward, along with a number of others. 
Why did that happen? I strictly or I strongly believe it was because we were faithful. We took the step of obedience and said, we don't care if there's 60, 70, 80, 100 people in this. If there's three people, we will sing. We were faithful. With that, God brought a few more in. With that, God brought revival to a, a, a good group of people. And it was a beautiful feeling. Having been brought into a situation where it tried us. Do we compromise or don't we? No, we will not compromise. We will go have a, do our singing. And God blessed it. So in our faithfulness, sometimes we venture out and do our different things. But when we're sensitive to God, we don't care about the numbers, but he is faithful. And he will bless. And he will put little situations in our, in our paths the whole time. But if we're sensitive to his guiding and leading, they become huge blessings. One more story I'm going to speak. This story happened at home. I hope I can get through this story with, without a box of Kleenex because this one is a lot more dear to me because this is personal. I'm going to actually tell two stories. One very brief one. Sometimes as, as followers of Christ, we get put into situations they're tough. That are, we would prefer to run as fast as we can and ignore. This weekend, or this week, I was forced, not forced to, I finally chose to give in to make a phone call to a brother. Who is, who is a strong believer. And I had to, over the phone, because I couldn't go there, I had to say, friend, if you don't make some changes in your life, there's a fork in the road coming. Do you want your family or do you want it? Go on life by yourself. <laughs> and you have to tell a, a brother that. That life is sometimes as hard at home. And he has to turn around and make a choice. And I have to be the one to bear of bad news. And I made sure it was done when I was home alone. My wife wasn't home. And I knew this person's wife, well, he was at work, so I had his undivided attention. And it was tough. 
And what made it all the harder, that it was my son-in-law. Three children and three foster children. To tell them, you're moving into a fork in the road. Who's it going to be? And I'm, I'm grateful to tell you that after that, he has chosen that the family will come first. And trust me, me as a father and my wife, we, we rejoice greatly in that. That to me had to be a mission field for that day. And I had to take it. When I hung up the phone, it's been years since I cried so hard. My wife and I couldn't eat lunch that day for at least half hour because we just couldn't. Our hearts were broken, but our hearts were filled with the Spirit because we knew I had done the right thing and it was me that had to do it. What a beautiful thing. When God nudges, we act out and then the results are positive. I'll leave that story alone. The one other story I'm going to tell is we, had, we just started clubs here in our church a month ago or so. And with that also comes adult Bible study. And or not out of Bible study, it's uh, the adults get together. It's a Christian, non-Christian, they're invited to come upstairs and grab a coffee and it's, it just enjoy the time together. If there's all Christians there, we can get into a good discussion, a deeper discussion. If there's somebody there that is young in the faith or whatever, we try and keep it shallow and just make them feel comfortable in the body. And eventually we can move closer. As the people were coming in, I was sitting there. Suddenly this lady comes in from, from Verdon. Her name is Nicole. And she comes walking in. She brought her children, dropped them off came upstairs, sat, and came into the room. Now, Nicole is the type of person that has walked a rough road. She grew up good. She grew up very in a Christian home, but she decided to, to walk her own path. And some of her actions and everything kind of indicate that still. She's pretty rough around the edges yet, but she is a strong strong believer behind her walks another lady and as we were were talking exactly about uh, part of this passage where Jesus where where we were at and where Jesus meets us this this other lady came in with her made a comment and I said can you expound in that comment and she broke down she said Nicole here is into face painting and I had my eyebrows done by her. Fine, eyebrows, like women are into eyebrow cleaning up 
mode these days, apparently. Young people, is that what you do? Spend hours in front of the mirror doing up your eyebrows? Well, she had her eyebrows cleaned up. And, uh, and, and while she was doing that, Nicole was sharing the gospel with her. She was sharing Jesus Christ. A week later, I guess some hair were going the wrong direction or whatever. She had to go back and get her fixed up. <laughs> I laugh too when I hear it. <laughs> it needed fixing up. So she went back. And this happens to be a lady from Maryfield, which is in Saskatchewan. This in, Nicole lives uh, north of Burden. But God put the two together. God, um, uh, Nicole again started sharing the gospel with her. When she was done with her, with her eyebrows, she said, would you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And that's when Christina Lewis gave her heart to Christ. Right there. Because of eyebrows. She was put in contact with a person that was on fire. Jesus Christ. And she was the one that sat there with her Bible in tears telling us, the rest of us in the group, that story. People, it is about the time being sensitive to leading and guiding. We can never, do we ever want to miss an opportunity to tell the gospel. Christina went on to say, I have been healed from cancer since then. I have been healed from depression And she is very, very well known in the area, miles and miles around for her anger. And he said, God is seriously working on my anger. Well, by this time, everybody in the group there was was crying too. Because we knew God had entered. A young lady by the name of Nicole was sensitive to God's leading. Took the opportunity she accepted, and she, uh, Christina, has been in our church every morning, every Sunday morning in the last month. Last weekend, the altar call was made. Her and Nicole and one other girl that's also struggling went forward. What a beautiful time. What was most beautiful when I, when I saw the three of them s- sat down and we were encouraged to have somebody of us members go up front and talk to them. The one lady that she had hurt strongly was kneeling in front of these three girls and praying with them. That to me was, again, as Christians, we were allowed to forgive, let go, let God take over and put the whole past behind and take a brand new step forward. I think I have some notes here someplace. Why am I telling you these stories? So we know and understand that there is more to God. 
God wanted to take me to a higher level. So that's why he had to take me to Mexico to see some miraculous miracles that he had done. He had to take us as a group to Kogaloktuk to see if we would be faithful. And God blessed our faithfulness to get up on stage and sing, to get into the streets and speak to people. God showed me that he can use me at home or at my workplace in Mexico or in Kogaloktuk or anywhere in between. God is not limited to time or space or any place. He just wants our commitment. After Peter had been with Jesus this whole time, for, for quite some time prior to this, he did with Jesus for, for probably three years. Jesus even had the audacity to look Peter in the eye and said, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. No, do you love me? Of course I do. Feed my sheep. I will be with you. Amen. Amen.